everybody and welcome to the third stop of this fourth season of the family road trip podcast inconceivable you never know what you're going to get you are with greg and stephanie schleter and three very wonderful awesome brave families awesome people so steph i'm going to impress you with my japanese wax on Weiji. Weiji is a word that actually I learned from Stephen Covey in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There are actually two parts to the word crisis in Japanese. One means danger and the other means opportunity. So crisis in the Japanese mind means danger and opportunity. I think it's sort of a good way to set the stage maybe tonight, particularly with this coronavirus thing going around the world. Um, It's an occasion for us to truly pray and lift up those places that are particularly struggling and battling with this. Obviously, everybody is going to be affected in some respect with the economy. And as I shared in times prior from this book, Tribe, it is precisely these sorts of things that bring us together, these moments of challenge, of surrender, of suffering, they cause us to let our guard down. They cause us to experience our vulnerability, our transparency, and to bring us together. And it's a little bit of the theme that we're going to set tonight in asking our guests the very first question. But I just want our listeners, you are wonderful sojourners, cojourners tonight, just to be mindful that in this season of Lent, Reflection on the cross should be more than just sort of like a museum, historical lesson, relic that we just pull out once a year. It really ought to be uh, an awakening. We get this in the Mass, right? The priest pronounces, this is my body broken for you. Simply put, that blessing comes by way of of brokenness. And so whatever you're struggling with tonight, hopefully for most of you it's not coronavirus, but we all have our struggles, health, Um, So physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever those are, recognize that God sees them and they are occasions of drawing us ever deeper into his heart, ever deeper into this journey of life, death, on the other side of which is resurrection. And now more than ever, do our families not need to see that the ultimate crisis may not be the physical crisis, maybe the crisis of not connecting with our spouse or our children or the people in our lives to really meaningful, meaningfully connect with them, the deepest desire of our hearts. And that's what we're all about is reconnecting, inviting you to talk and pray on a weekly basis as these three awesome heroic families are doing to reconnect with each other in meaningful ways. And it does require some boldness. It requires audacity to kind of lean into it and say, we're going to get together for 45 minutes and we're going to talk and pray. And you can find out more about that at ilovemyfamily.us. So join us on this journey. This is the third stop of the seven stop journey of the Family Road Trip podcast. And these three families have committed to doing just that. So, with no further ado, gonna rise up, burn by 
is something in your past, a difficulty in your past, that has made you a better person today. Let's begin with the Knights. Hello, my name is Grace. Hi, Amazing Grace. (laughs) I chose the story about when I was in third grade and the loss of my teacher. Mm. So it was at the beginning of the year when we got so attached to her because she was so nice and carried us deep into our faith and we took about a half an hour a day to pray the rosary wow beautiful she was so nice and religious so um as we got further in the year we kept noticing she used these ice packs so we just thought it was Mm. something not that important so we kept doing our work and not really paying attention then one day we found out she went to the hospital Mm. before we know it she's in hospice And we're getting really worried, and our parents tell us what that is. And one day we get a call from our principal that she died. With your final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye. And go in peace and laugh on glory's side. And fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and live. Fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and live. Really heartbroke us, so yes. I think that God has made me stronger in this by putting me through a lot, so I can rebuild myself on something I lose that's important to me. Grace, you are like amazing. You're 30 years old, right? You got to be at least 30 <laughs> years old with that wisdom. Yeah. Wow! So it's for so beautiful. Our, for our audience, Grace is only 10 years old, and just what a beautiful, yes. honest, wise witness from a young soul and an encouragement to any of you out there you know if grace can reflect upon this difficult mm-hmm. moment in her life of the loss of a beloved teacher and how god you know blessed her through that and is blessing her through that loss you know just encourage you all don't underestimate the wisdom that your children you know have under the hood and you won't know unless you tap it unless you ask them so i'm so grateful to you chris and kathy that you uh invited grace to share that wonderful witness with us Grace, what was your teacher's name, just so we can honor her in that way? Um, her real name was Marilyn Turner, but we mm. called her Mrs. Turner. Mm, gotcha. Beautiful. Well, God Grace, her soul. we love you. You're awesome. I'm just so moved by mm. your, your little witness, which is a big witness. Your little big Thanks, witness. Grace. Thank <laughs> you. So, Kathy or Chris, what is a difficulty you faced in life that made you stronger today? You know, the Catholic Church is so pro-life and... Uh, stress is the importance of being open to life and mm-hmm. having children, their gifts. Um, so when you're open to the gift and you don't receive it, mm-hmm. it triggers a lot of unworthiness. Yeah. And infertility feels very much like a betrayal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Every month, month after month. Right. You were reaching through the storm, walking on the water, even
Chris and I married later in life. I had just turned 37. We tried to conceive for several years. Um, and that journey was outrageously difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but as hard as it was, it wasn't the most challenging thing I'd faced because the thought of her being an only child never crossed my mind. Mm. And people kept telling me, oh, the second child comes easier. And it did. Um, we got pregnant again when Grace was about 18 months. Mm. And losing that baby at the start of the second trimester mm. after hearing her heartbeat mm. was the most devastating thing I've ever experienced. Wow. Um, I missed an entire week of work. I carried a washcloth with me mm -hmm. instead of Kleenex because I never right. stopped crying. You were singing in the dark, whispering your promise, even when I could not hear. I had to have my rock, my husband call everyone and tell them what happened because I couldn't form words to speak. Not for a eight years ago and as I talk about it I still feel this deep deep sadness mm -hmm. so how did this experience make me stronger well I've learned how important a prayer community is because mm -hmm. when I lost the baby I wasn't on speaking terms with God mm -hmm. um, so I so had honest. to ask people to pray to talk to God for me mm -hmm. Right? And they did. Yeah. And I really relied on that so that I could kind of wobble, right? And mm -hmm. I could feel my feelings and be angry and not jump to, you know, oh, this is, God has a plan, or at least you have grace, or, you know, mm -hmm. all the things that didn't help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. I just felt them and let them come up and, and kind of moved through them. And it also made me realize that I had to let go of my vision of how my life was supposed to look. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And instead of blaming God for not giving me to praise him for giving me all the blessings that I do have. Mm -hmm. And that little girl that just shared with you, oh, the biggest blessing I could ask right. for. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's all good now. Yes, Kathy, thank you so much yeah. for sharing your heart because... Speechless. Yes. I mean, what do you say? Just so real, so important. Um, we know so many who struggle with that cross, even today, of infertility um, loss of, and miscarriage, yeah. the loss of a little one. And there are no words. And it is just that big prayerful embrace of love and support and how wonderful for you to have that um, community to do what you weren't able to do, and that was okay. Kathy, know. did you name your little soul? Yes, we named her Caroline. Oh, beautiful. Sweet Caroline. Oh, I love it. So, in our Schleter family, 
I'm one of seven. My parents had five miscarriages and an older sister. And I just want to say that they imparted upon us at an early age, calling upon the intercession of our personal family saint, Anne Marie, who is now the namesake, of course, of our eldest daughter, the eldest of 50 grandkids, daughter, granddaughter. But I will say that just knowing at every opportunity that we gathered as kids to pray through all the tumult of six boys and a girl, I'm one of six <laughs> boys and a girl, all the adolescent stuff, asterisk, asterisk, um, struggles, challenges that you might imagine during that era, we knew we had the beautiful intercession of a personal saint who did not live long enough, couldn't have, you know, didn't sin, baptism of intention, baptism of blood. And so, you know, we now call upon the awesome intercession of little Caroline Knight. And uh, any of you who are out there with this cross, I know it probably doesn't make it any easier in some sense. It is just living and dwelling in this place of tragedy and difficulty. But knowing as much as we yearn for them to be with us, all the more do they yearn for us to be with them and are interceding for us before the throne of God. And I'm just so blessed by you you sharing that. I think going through that with Kathy, that was probably the most my 15 years of us being together. Mm-hmm. That experience, that together, I mean, she pretty much summed up for both of us, but that was her sure. emotional well-being. Uh, probably the helplessness. You know, I couldn't do anything. I'm a fix-it person. Mm-hmm. I am here to count, you know, to do the things. And I always remember after, after the surgery, after the pro- procedure in the hospital, just being alone with mm-hmm. Kathy. That that was a low point. You know, we had to, to work together and join together and just... Sure. Into the seat, God. It took a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thought, time, prayers. And you are constant. You are good. It's been a lot of healing. It's a process. It's no, yeah. you know, there's no, no potion. There's no pill. There's no. Mm-hmm. You have to sit with it. You have to pray about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and understand. You will never forsake us, Lord. For we. Michelle, a difficulty from your past that has turned into a blessing today. When I was 25, I came back from, I'd worked in Italy for a couple of years and decided I wanted to come back and go to grad school. That was very exciting to mm. come back to the U.S., but I I bought a car and then I crashed the car Oh gosh. Um, and totaled the car and then owed like $2,500 on the car that was Mm. no more because I hadn't gotten gap insurance. Mm. And I had uh, like really bad cuts all over my face and everything. If only you knew the sunlight shines a little brighter, the weight of the world's a little lighter, the stars lean in a little closer, all because of you. That year, I was at um, at a secular art school, and it was a tremendous experience of recognizing how important beauty is as an artist when you see other artists not embracing it mm. um, and going after more ugly, super intense, have the car thing happen the week before school, and then be in a place that just felt really really desolate and ugly. If only you knew the 
kept me alive for a reason mm -hmm. uh don't always know what that is but i know that he did because there was the opportunity for that not to have happened mm -hmm. um for me not to have been kept alive this is your kingdom this is your crown this is your story this is your moment don't look down beauty is something that i am I am called to spread. You're ready, born ready, and all you got to is put one foot in front of you. It brought a lot of clarity to what I was supposed to do to my life. Seth. Like many people, when I went off to college, I had my time of doubt in my faith, where I kind of fell away from my faith. This period of my life lasted five or six years. went through a lot of struggles in that time. I'm not going to go into any of the details of, of all of the struggles, but really doubt of, of that God even existed. And if he existed, that he really cared anything for me. Mm. Times of, of fear and doubt and, you know, wondering, is there any meaning? I feel like it was about every six months or so. I remember having just small experiences where I felt like I heard a voice say, it's going to be okay. Hmm. And then I got to the end and it was around 2000. I, I started coming back to my faith and, and wanting to really rediscover it, go back to church, get involved and, and doing Bible study and all this stuff. And I remember a moment when I, in that period when I was coming back into my faith, where I felt like God gave me a promise that he brought me through that and that I would not have that level of, of doubt again in my mm -hmm. life. And so, and it was, it, and that also that he would use the fear and the doubt that happened in that period to strengthen me and help me to awesome. help others who are in that same same place that is so awesome seth that is the reality that many face even if they grew up in a christian home i think when they have development of their mind and then if they get to college and they're introduced to work such as Feuerbach or camus or freud i'm going nerd on them. most people at some point, we'll face that if they're really 
seekers, if they really want an authentic faith, they will be haunted by alternate explanations for God and, and not want to deceive themselves. And I suspect, knowing you, that you wanted authenticity. You want you wanted a faith that wasn't just made of uh, myth and yeah. fairy tale and want to make it be so and the opiate of the people, another famous uh, philosopher uh, translated into communism and all that. Yeah, and a big part of my doubt was seeing, I, I went to a Christian college and seeing a lot of hypocrisy mm-hmm. in other Christians really kind of solidified this, you know, is this really, what, what, what is this? Right. These people say they're Christians, but they're not, they don't look like Christians. That's awesome. And I'd love to have a whole program sometime, Seth, that just opens the conversation to any who are honestly seeking truth, mm-hmm. honestly seeking to understand the nature of our very real God and how he very in a real way, wants to had penetrated this the heavens down to earth and wants to reach us and wants us to encounter him. But obviously, we know there's also the dark nights and all of that, and I, I'd love to unpack that a lot more because I sense there's a lot more. But I am deeply grateful for you sharing that because I know it's very real. And for any who are listening right now, just know at least here is a great testimony of somebody who asked the questions, was haunted by the darkness, and God brought him through, and now he's a formidable leader in the Catholic faith and the fullness of the faith. So, so grateful for that. Let's go across town now to the Seymours, Brett and Nikki. What is something that happened in your life of a difficult nature that made you stronger today? It's the hardest thing to give away and the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve. A few years ago, I was faced with um, forgiveness. I really uh, had someone close to me that hurt me and... Mm. I, I had to forgive them, and it, it was it was really hard. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they caused is just too real. Takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. Now that I've learned, takes place in your own mind or your own heart. You really can't forgive without the strength of God, and uh, the sacraments were so beautifully helpful. Um, the sorrowful mysteries mm. were so helpful. Um, and the tricky thing about forgiveness is, is what I've learned is it's not a one-time deal. You know, you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't today and then tomorrow it's all over. You have to remember all those things that they did the next day and the next Mm day. Forgiveness. And you you can be fine for days on end and then the devil comes back and whispers in your ear and, and reminds you again that you don't like that person or you're mad at that person. And forgiveness is just constant and... No matter how hard you try, you you still have those feelings of hurt hurt and anger and revenge. Show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. And I'm I'm really glad that you brought this question to us because I think that I almost forgot that lesson that mm. you really need to go back to God for forgiveness. And mm. even in the small things every day that you see, you know, the person that cuts you off in traffic or the annoying person who is just annoying you and um, you judge them or mm-hmm. um, you really just need to see them with, you know, the heart of God and and love them and understand and be empathetic. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. 
So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really freezes. Forgiveness. Well, thanks for sharing that. That takes um, courage because all of us have people in our lives, and many who are dear to us. You can't get hurt by people you don't love. So invariably, just start there. Uh, most of us carry wounds and hurts from people who we trusted, confided in, and uh, that trust was was betrayed. We've done it to others also, and we need to um, seek God's mercy in his grace. And what a great season, of course, during this Lenten season to recognize the ultimate forgiveness, the one who suffered, who uh, forgave the very ones who caused the suffering. Right now might be that invitation that the Holy Spirit is prevailing upon us to truly pray for the grace of uh, even greater surrender and forgiveness. Brett. So over the years, as as people on the show have heard, we have a number of kids, seven kids and an eighth on the way. But along the way, we've, we've lost some babies mm. you know, that, that just didn't come to full term. And I was angry and I wondered, you know, why us? And you questioned God's motives of why us? Why do we have to go through mm. this? You watch your wife and you watch your children be torn um, mm. because of the pain that goes with losing a child. And I think the secret, though, is, as Nikki said, is going back to the sacraments mm. and and seeking the real heart of Jesus um, in finding your way back into the faith and continuing to practice and trust that there's a reason. Um, and God's reason is to bring us closer to him. That's and awesome. So- Folks, as we heard tonight, Chris and Kathy punctuate that similar circumstance of the miscarriage in their life and uh, how it was an occasion to deepen their confidence in Christ, deepen their faith, and and something that isn't entirely, you know, you don't simply walk away from it. it it's with you for a while, and it is a formative mm-hmm. thing. And just all the more, I think the Lord is saying to us through Brett's testimony here also, anybody who has lost a loved one, anybody, particularly parents in that delicate space of a child uh, in the womb or a child outside of the womb, just that, you know, he's with us in it. And again, we said before, uh, you know, words don't make it easier. You know, we're meant to be maybe broken, as Jesus says at the altar, you know, through the priest, this is my body broken for you. It's a mystery. And uh, words aren't meant to necessarily take it away. And to try to take it away isn't the right move either. It's, okay, Lord, I, I feel the, you know, the jagged edge, if you will, of this loss. And it perfectly fits with your love for me. It perfectly fits with your, with your care and your compassion and draws me into you and makes me part of heaven. So thanks so much for, for sharing that, bread. And again, we just do lift up all of you out there who've lost a loved one and are still working to let you know God is in it. Again, we're never closer to Christ than in our suffering. We just claim that right now. And the Mass, as you say, the sacraments, like that is the story, Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Uh, and we're called to participate in that through these experiences. So again, thank you. We're on a mission from God. That was awesome. So, folks, that's the first round. And we encourage you to go around in your own family and maybe consider that question. You know, ask 
your spouse, your children, uh, to reflect upon a time of difficulty that made them stronger. You know, not only to get to know them better, but it opens us up to seeing how Christ, his life, death, and resurrection is woven into our own experience. Think about this. We're never closer to Christ than in our suffering. And by asking beloved friends, family members to share this, does it not unite us? Does it not draw us closer? Does it not open doors for us to connect in meaningful ways? I would submit to you it does. So just just do it. Take the time and do it. People get ready as a train of coming to ride on the peace train. And again, just for those of you who may be just tuning in, what is this all about? We've invited families to join us on a journey of committing once a week to talk and pray using this Live It Gathering Guide. It's a fun, easy way to connect with your spouse and your children. You can find it out at ilovemyfamily.us. And uh, we're in the fourth season of this great journey. It's tough. We acknowledge it to set aside that time. You heard the Seymour say, you know, they have eight children. Um, and you've heard in the past, you know, families that are very, very busy, they got the sports and they've got the academics and taking the kids to this and that. But is there anything more important than making that time in our homes to gather together and really connect heart to heart, to really, you know, find out what's going on under the hood, really listen, to f- apologize and forgive? That's what this is all about, especially during the season of Lent. So that's what they're about. This is the third week of doing that. And we're going to go now back to the Knights to share with us how their week went. Take time to make time, make time to be there. So we <laughs> struggled a little this week. I'm not sure why. We um, do the uh, Live It on Wednesday. And for some reason, we were just... Uh, it was kind of icky. It's mm, a good it. word, icky. We weren't, it wasn't. We were doing it with it, dinner. We were trying to do it with yeah, dinner. Yeah, it and- wasn't flowing. And it just, so before we got all full of strife and whatever, <laughs> trying to force it. So this, real. I love I it. Said, <laughs> I said, you know, we're going to stop. This is not how Jesus wants this to go. <laughs> it's like a feeding oh, I the love you guys. Um, and I debated, should I pray and do or what? Nope, we're just going to try again on Friday. Oh. So we had take two on Friday. I love it. And we moved to later um, into the family room on the couches. And uh, Grace got to snuggle next to me a little bit. And um, it went much better don't you think yes it's much much smoother where we can focus gosh i love that witness i love the honesty i love the uh, communication of the mess it sounds cliche but you know if we don't know our mess we don't know our messiah and i think many out there they need to hear us just communicate that we're going to face these moments of difficulty and challenge and just for you to have the wisdom to know okay this is not going to happen right now you know to know okay this is it's not going to happen now like even an argument moment with a family member what wisdom to say all right it's best we just kind of put a period at the end of the sentence do whatever it is we want to do to get on and get onto it some other time. So thank you so much for that witness. I sound a little southern. Thank you so much for that witness. <laughs> so now um, share with us uh, what what is maybe something that stood out from your gathering this past week. So that, as you can imagine, led to our apologies. <laughs> <laughs> so, good. On the one. so we apologized and everyone kind of took their turn. So it landed itself pretty well. 
um, to the apologies. And then, yeah, we talked a little bit about our Tabor moments and, um, and we were obviously allowed to do our apologies and talk about, you know, especially Grace being able to open up and say, you know, I'm sorry. Wow. You know, for not focusing. And But it's hard when you're trying to eat after dinner, eat, yeah. and then there's a natural flow and trying to do two things, multitask and the candle and focusing. It was a challenge. Awesome. That was a nice moment to, you know, climb that mountain, get over that. Perfect. So I want to ask you the question, and I'm not looking for accolades for the Live It Gathering Guide per se, <laughs> um, but... Had you not been doing this, um, how might you have responded in the past historically with what I perceive to be a moment of conflict, round one, around the table? Grace would have probably got sent to her room on Wednesday after dinner. <laughs> right. One of those moments, she'd yep. been in her room and we'd had a Yeah, yep, we, a would, moment, we would, would have separated. All three of us would have gone our own, you know, mm-hmm. separate ways instead of kind of moving through it and... You know, yeah. being present to each other, maybe not in the best, you know, emotional state, but at least we were physically mm-hmm. present and committed to trying it again. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, would you guys say that you've had a culture of apology, fairly prompt and apology and forgiveness and such? Well, one of us has. He's <laughs> <laughs> talking to me. <laughs> no, no, no. We, it, it, no. The dog. Yeah. So this is much, in the living has really, really been very positive influence in that regard, where we're much mm. more likely to offer that apology. And it's just a part of, of our spiritual life, what mm-hmm. we do now, that that's just that's a part awesome. of it just like prayer is, or, you know, speaking, uh, giving affirmations to one another. How difficult is it for those of you who maybe don't more readily apologize? I don't know which two of you that may be, but, um, you know, well, that's okay. Well, so, so that's most people. I think they just let these moments pass and they presume that, you know, if you just don't talk about it the next day, you don't say anything about it and you just kind of presume we're good, but there's obviously, and you're communicating it here tonight, a value in naming it, clearing the debris out by forgiveness, apology and forgiveness and moving on. So for any, which is most people, again, I think out there, um, what is that challenge to apologize and what did it take for you to kind of overcome that and what difference did it make for you, Chris? Hypothetically speaking. Presuming it's you, Chris. (laughs) Not not hypothetically, for Grace and I, you know, sometimes we have conflict with how our struggles, a strong-willed female and a male father, you know, a strong male it, it, it creates an opportunity for connection, you know, making understanding because she's 10 and a half and sometimes she thinks I treat her like she's three. So it creates an opportunity for dialogue. Mm. You know, I can apologize, say, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I can a little over controlling or overbearing, you know, it so, creates a moment of connection. You know, when you can apologize, yeah. you can come back together. So you don't feel that space. You know? right. Yeah. Right. As parents of children aged 21 to 14, I can tell you, so I, I'm fairly prompt and have been prompt. By punctuating those moments of apology, I know that had I not, that it would have clouded my relationship with them all the more. And I'm just so blessed at the witness you're giving here tonight. So Amen. thanks so much, Knights. That was awesome. We can make it happen. Yeah. We can make it happen. We can make it happen. Haynes, on to you. Give us a little portrait of how your Livid gathering went this past week. Um, so we met on on Friday night, and uh, it was it was good. 
Um, I think we're we're continuing to grow in, uh, especially the part reading, uh, reading the scripture, and and looking into what you know, things that we've seen in the scripture. Um, you know, I think this is something, especially for for our girls to to see Michelle and I, you know, look you know pull something out mm. of the scripture and say, well, that this this is what I saw. This has really really hit me. And then you know try and ask them some questions about what they saw um and so that that's for me that's been a good part of the, the, the uh, that time together big gathering. smile on my face just picturing you guys and your beautiful two daughters and um just as they are tuning to uh just god in your leadership so share with us what impacted each of you in particular this past week so the reading was the transfiguration um and you know, which is a kind of, well, I don't know. Most Bible stories are really kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> Transfiguration is, is another one of those. So we we usually try and read it from the scripture, um, but we also try and find it in a children's Bible if, awesome. if we can. Great idea. So it took us two or three tries to find one that actually had it in it. Good thing mm. we have lots of children's Bibles. <laughs> um, it ended up being in the comic book Bible. That's we, awesome. Yeah. So I had good pictures. Yeah. So we kind of had went over it, um, you know, with that version. And then I remembered that there was a painting by Raphael that's mm. in the Vatican museums. And I actually did have it in a book the bottom of the painting there it, it shows the young boy possessed by the by the demon who jesus heals when he comes down from the mountain mm-hmm. um so we got to we, you know the girls were said well what's going on down here right, right. <laughs> dark and strange looking crowd of people um and so we we got to read a little bit further into the gospels mm-hmm. we really just we did just the one reading but we uh, expanded upon what was there and awesome. super helpful to have a visual mm-hmm. aid. Um, I think not just for the children, but for the grownups too. So I was, it, it was, it was nice to have, you know, when you can't read because you're only five, right? Um, just to have another way to access that other than just listening. Cause mm-hmm. that can be so much more difficult. What this punctuates is that as parents were uniquely appointed and anointed and gifted to reach our children and bring what is unique to us. In your case, Michelle, you're an artiste. You uh, you are blessed with the gift of art, and that is a language, uh, a way of meaning of opening up horizons and doors. So I encourage parents out there as you do this, you know, it's not simply going through this gathering guide rigorously, but opening the door to what touches you, what moves you, what might be ways that you can open up horizons of, of connection and meaning for your kids with the gifts God has given you. Your way is not going to be like any of ours, um, but God has uniquely blessed you in that setting, in that context, to discover your, if you will, your unique voice and discover their unique voice and have confidence that the only way it needs to look is your way. Seth? My favorite point in actually probably the last two meetings we've had is the the commitments mm-hmm. at the end um because awesome. you know, we, we love that part about, you know, miriam and i doing doing the the morning prayer together you know we, we have our meeting and she's like oh, daddy how many times do we do morning prayer this week together I'm like mm-hmm. I said, we, we did it three times she's like okay i want to do it four times next week <laughs> that's awesome and just to see just to see 
one to see the kind of like the the pride there's like i i, I did this right the accomplishment and also it's like i want to keep doing it i want to i want to keep i want to keep this commitment um and just to see the the joy in her face of of having a commitment of following through and of having it something that that we can do together is i love it that was awesome give a little Seymour's, how about you guys? So we generally get together on Sunday evenings to do our Live It family gathering. And uh, this past Sunday, when we got together, um, we go through the readings and we will ask some funny questions about things that happened during the week. And then this week we asked, uh, you know, is there something that's difficult for you or that you need help with? Uh, in your life with mm. our prayers and the help from God. Great with question. One of our children um, stretched a little bit and it was impressive to mm. see stretch. Um, and so he said, um, you know, I'm having difficulty with a teacher at my school. And the difficulty is that I don't see everything that they do the way that they see it mm. and struggle to believe some of what they say and i i don't deal well with this individual Ooh, and so we wow. asked our prayers and and god's hand and helping him to do better not to judge this person so i thought that was pretty cool very it's cool epic stretch some and i think so it's been good really good. So one, you've identified a key issue that all of us deal with, which is from our limited human vantage, we can only see so much and understand so much and which of us don't come into, you know, little challenges, whether they're spoken or not in a classroom with people we work with, soccer team, whatever the case may be. So just the opportunity to voice that and then to have a context in our homes to process that and uh, create a context of encouragement, support, cultivate empathy, understanding, patience. Which of us parents wouldn't have been benefited as children if, we didn't, if we'd had the opportunity to do that in our homes? And uh, parents, we just encourage you, as you hear that great testimony, you know, who knows what those issues may be if we don't ask, start there, that our kids maybe have some of these issues and we'd never know if we don't open up the door. But secondly, the opportunity to actually create a context of uh, a virtue, of, um, of growth for them to deal with it that's going to carry them through life. I mean, that's the gold. That's just awesome. Nikki? Well, um, that was a really good experience that Brett shared. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we still are not having a lot of children open up and reflect on the gospel, and some of that is mine and Brett's. Maybe we need to um, role model a little bit better um, reading the gospel ahead of time so that Brett and I are able to, to, you know, show our own reflection of it a little bit better for our kids because they struggle with it, I think, because we also, I like the idea that um, Michelle had about, you know, the art, because I really like visual pictures and stuff, so I think we might need to pull that in, but Mm -hmm. um, yesterday I did have kind of an after-the-meeting great experience because I did share with the kids that I'm trying to pray the rosary every day during Lent, Mm -hmm. and that I am sometimes struggling because... Um, I get to the end of the day and I haven't prayed it yet. And so I force myself to stay awake at night and it's hard mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're at that point and you're tired and you're pregnant and you just want to fall asleep. Mm. And so afterwards I went upstairs and the girls and I were going to go do the laundry. And my 15 year old said, well, 
let's just pray the rosary together. That's awesome. She sat with me to pray the rosary. And as we began, my 11 year old son walked through and he said, hold on, I want to take a shower real quick, but I want to pray the rosary with you guys too. That's amazing. Pretty awesome. They both wanted to help me through my rosary so I wouldn't fall asleep. So That's so great. And I just want to highlight or underscore the fact that the graces that the Lord desires to pour out on families are not just meant to be during this, you know, specific Mm. set aside time, whether it be the live gathering or whatever it is, but especially the commitment to that. Again, there's so much going on that we don't see, but it's meant to overflow into the ordinary parts of our day. And you just gave great witness to that, Nikki. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Knights, Paines, and Seymours, you guys are amazing. I mean, I am edified. Even if this never hit the airwaves, I'd be profoundly blessed by your witness of just opening the door, you know, getting past the inertia, the busyness, all the excuses we can make. You're doing it. And your testimony of how grace is being outpoured is just really awesome. And for all of you, our wonderful listeners, we just want to encourage you. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be handed to you with the busyness of our life always demanding uh, time from us. We got to say this is important enough that we're going to make the time, that we're going to make a sacred time and a sacred space to connect with one another. And we provide, again, this Live It Gathering Guide at ilovemyfamily.us. Begins with family fun questions. Again, if you did nothing but just circled up and ask these questions, have them pick a number from 1 to 50 and ask that question. But then it moves on to what we call daily questions. What's a victory from the day? A challenge? Uh, what's a blessing? What's some, who's somebody you're grateful for? Which of us parents wouldn't be blessed by hearing our children communicate some of that? And then you've got the readings, which uh, correspond to this coming Sunday. So just to hear those readings, if nothing else, just pick one. We'll make it really simple. Pick the gospel. Just to read the gospel and... Uh, hear it so that when we hear it on Sunday, you know, there's a recollection. There's something formative in that. But if you ask the question, just the first question, what struck you? What challenged you? What inspired you? What questions did it raise? You know, it's just a great opportunity to really unpack it and experience God personally, relevantly, entering into our world, opening up doors to connect with one another together, and it forges a unity within us. As we said in the very beginning, this coronavirus thing, it is uh, alerting us throughout the world to a crisis that is both danger and opportunity. But Maybe it's just an analogy of the greater crisis, which is a crisis in relationship, a crisis of encountering God alive in our marriages, in our families. And that's what this is all about, to create a context to more fully know God alive in our marriages and in our families. So thank you all so much for being with us on this third stop of the seven-week journey of the Family Road Trip podcast. Until next time, God bless you.
Rich Cronin is a young husband and father of three. In December of 2017, at a time when most of us were preparing for Christmas, Rich was waging a battle for his life. The CT scan revealed his worst fears. His cancer had metastasized. Seven tumors were waging war on his body. He was given no more than a 15% chance of survival. In the following story, he shares how his greatest battle was in places unseen, his inner spiritual life, dread, despair, and hopelessness. His story pronounces the truth for each of us, that in this life we will face battles, but what matters most is where or to whom we turn. Whatever battle you're facing right now, we pray this will be a powerful encouragement of where you need to turn. If you want to find out more how you and your family can more deeply encounter Jesus Christ as a way of life to truly live what we profess, go to massimpact.us. Now let's listen to Rich's story. A couple of years ago, I had a melanoma removed from my arm, and we thought we had had it all removed, and I thought that I was cured. So fast forward to last fall, Father Adam had a, uh, a silent retreat uh, for the parish, for the men of the parish, and um, I went to that silent retreat, and um, that was very powerful for me to get out of the busyness of the world and to go into silence where you can hear God talking to you. And really, I think that's where maybe God saved my life. In the midst of that, uh, Father Adam uh, did a series of talks on the Desert Fathers that weekend and, and, and really talked about the end. I mean, death, you know, what's it like, you know, and we really dwelled on death. And so I, I brought my book with me uh, that I, I was reading that weekend, which is the Manual of Spiritual Warfare. And I was uh, reading that and at the same time listening to Father Adam. Well, the whole weekend, my arm just kept itching, and that doesn't happen with melanoma. Melanoma, one of the side effects isn't that it itches. There's other things that uh, make it recognizable, but itching in one of them. But all weekend long, my arm just kept itching. And so I kind of peeled off my sleeve and looked at it, and I had noticed the nodule had gotten really big and purplish. And immediately I had a, a, just this feeling of dread because I knew exactly what it meant. I did enough research on melanoma to know what it is. And, and basically what happens with melanoma, once it penetrates the skin, it goes metastatic and, and basically fills your body with tumors. And I didn't know I was there yet, but I knew that uh, we hadn't gotten it from a year ago and that it had come back and it had festered in my body. Only about 10 to 15% of the people who get metastatic melanoma are survivors of it. So the following week we go to the doctors, the doctor confirmed that melanoma had come back and then I had to do a series of CAT scans to, uh, to see if it had spread or not. In the midst of that, I, I was really under spiritual attack. The attack kind of takes place in, in two ways. Um, one of which was my mind wanted to go immediately to the end, and uh, the end is my death and funeral. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, and, and there was a lot of just dread and despair and, and, and that sort of thing. And then my mind also wanted to go back in time to the, what if I had done this? What if I had stayed out of the sun? What, what if I had gone to the doctor? You know, and I was just filled with uh, just worry and, and regret, you know, hopelessness. You know, all these feelings just filled my soul. That was the battle I was facing. Got the results back from the CAT scans. It confirmed what 
we really didn't want to know, but that the, the cancer had spread. And so it had spread beyond my arm to uh, my liver and my spine. That's what my doctor told me. I didn't hear anything he told me after he told me that. Uh, but as I learned later, probably six or seven months later, I had seven tumors. I didn't want to know that, but I, I, I learned I had seven tumors in my body um, and pretty much in my organs and kind of all over. So um, I had to deal with this, and physically, you know, we were going to deal with it at University of Michigan, but emotionally and spiritually, I was fighting this spiritual battle. Well, when you're fighting a spiritual battle, the first place you go to is Father Adam, which I did. And so um, Father Adam said, let's give our intercession to, to Blessed Solanus Casey, and, and he's going to help us. And, and that we did, and a number of parishioners and friends took that up and started novena to, to Solanus Casey. Thanks be to God, I'm so thankful for that. Connie came home one evening, and she brought me uh, this prayer, and it's a, um, it's a surrender to Jesus novena. And Deacon Ed had given it to her. So I knew I needed to do this without even uh, understanding why or anything else. So the two of us started this surrender to Jesus novena. And this is a uh, novena that was um, actually, the words of the novena are given by Jesus himself to a, a, an Italian priest. The words that uh, really Jesus spoke to me each day were the exact words I needed to hear. And you end it with a prayer, oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you, take care of everything. Well, over the course of nine days, I, I pretty much had to surrender everything to Jesus. And I knew that's what I needed to do. And I started with my health. You know, I, I couldn't control what was going to happen anymore. You know, I could control what I eat and if I can exercise or any of that, but I can't control if I die from cancer. And so I had to, you know, surrender that to Jesus. And I had to surrender my family. I was very upset about, you know, God, if I die, what, what are you going to you do with my family, and, and I, I came to realize God is our Father. He has to take care of my family, and Jesus, you take care of my family. I bought a business a couple of years ago. I owe a lot of money. I'm thinking, God, who's going to pay for this? Um, how am I going to get through this? That day, I said, Jesus, you're the CEO of our company. I, you know, I leave it all to you. Take care of my business if I can't go into work, and over the last year, there were a lot of days I couldn't work, and he took care of that, and, and ultimately, I had to to surrender the things that are sometimes the most difficult to surrender, which is the worry, the fear, the doubts, the hopelessness, all those things that we tend to cling to the most. And that's what I tended to cling to the most. And I gave that up. I said, Jesus, you get the good and the bad, you know, all, all these good things and, you know, all these bad things too. You get it all. And he took it all. And I, I will tell you on the 10th day I woke up after that novena and I was a completely different person. I mean, a completely different person. I no longer worried about anything. I no longer had hopelessness. You know, over the course of last year, I've, I've gone through a lot physically. There are a couple of weeks I spent in the hospital. Uh, there was, you know, days and, and, and weeks where I, I couldn't go to work because I, you know, I just was so sick. But emotionally, mentally, spiritually, every day I got up, I felt positive, I felt good. I just felt joyful, to tell you the truth, and I couldn't explain it other than the fact that people were praying for me and the fact that every day I'd surrender myself to Jesus. And those two things really kept me going over the last year. So a couple of months ago, 
the doctor wanted to do a, uh, a rescheduling of the CAT scan and see what the status of everything was. And Dr. Lau came in and he, he, he said, did you look at the, at the CAT scan? I said, no, doctor. I don't know how to look at that. You know, I wouldn't know what I'm looking at, so I didn't look at it. He says, really? He says, yeah, I, I did, did not look at it. He says, well, good news, your cancer is gone. And so, uh, when I'm in a spiritual battle, the first thing I'm going to do is surrender, surrender to Jesus, because he does take care of everything, and he took care of me, and I am so thankful for him, and I'm so thankful for uh, Blessed Solanus for interceding on, on my behalf, and so thankful for the people of this parish for praying for me. I can't really ever pay you back other than to pray for you as well, and so thank you very much. If you want to find out more how you and your family can more deeply encounter Jesus Christ as a way of life, to truly live what we profess, go to massimpact.us. You know, Mass Impact and Ignite has been going across the Northwest Ohio now for, for months, and, and thousands of people, literally thousands of people in our diocese have experienced that love. We believe that he said what he meant and meant what he said when he proclaimed that his body is real food and his blood is real drink. Simply put, Mass Impact is a nonprofit movement seeking the heart of God in the very heart of his Catholic Church. Uh, people just keep kept coming and coming. Not just in a moment, but, but to surrender their entire lives. We desire our hearts to be moved by what moves his. And to see that happening monthly. We are responding to an urgent call in an urgent time. The recent Pope John Paul said, now's the time. This is the moment. We are taking big steps in faith throughout our diocese and beyond. I want to buckle my chin strap and take the field. And we are seeing tremendous growth. I mean, I'm just roused and emboldened to mission, to do something. We cannot do it alone. We need you right now. Please partner with us. Go to massimpact.us right now and click on the Contribute tab. If you and I respond in faith right now, we will see souls in heaven who would not have been there had we said no. It was nothing short of amazing. Does it have that same kind of effect on you? Please go to massimpact.us and contribute. It's time to move.